Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. Jamal, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. <laughs> can Washington win two in a row? Um. That's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, we are at that point where, you know, with over a, a very busy and long week for commanders, fans, commanders, reporters, commanders, analysts, all of that stuff where Dan Snyder has been a focal point. If you haven't listened to the previous episode with me and Kyle Smith for GM, we gave it about 20 minutes of our time talking about Dan Snyder and not that much time on the Chicago Bears and uh, previewing the Green Bay Packers. But ultimately, football is here for Washington and the Hawks Haven side of the podcast or the Hawks Haven side of, of commentating on, on the commanders. And we're focused on the Green Bay Packers. Um. And when I ask that question, you know, can Washington win two in a row? I'm serious. Uh, I personally don't want nothing more for Washington other than them to win. I know it's a very complex situation surrounding the team in terms of how I feel about Ron Rivera and their prospects of turning things around in Washington, like from an overall standpoint, not just from a season um, so I feel a type of way. I feel conflicted. Um, but at the end of the day, we all want to win. And I think it's safe to say we're all in that boat. Like that's what Washington, that's what we all want. Um, but again, like I said, I understand that it gets complex given that, you know, everybody isn't a fan of Rivera. Some are, some people just want the team to succeed overall, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the owner is and things like that. So we understand that much. And today on this show, we are previewing the game i have as well andy herman of the pack a day podcast and the packer report 66 he's going to join us to talk some things about the green bay packers and give us some insight on on who they are um and and what's going on with these guys six games into the season is this a a, a must-win game for the green bay packers 
Uh, you don't really see that from <laughs> from Green Bay in in October. Like they're too good, and over the last three years at thirteen and three, they definitely aren't going through the early season ebbs and flows like the Commanders always do, and and find themselves in it with their backs against the wall with a, a team in their division looking like they're running away from it. I don't think I, I like the Vikings. I predicted them to win the, the NFC North. But that ain't right right now. That ain't a good five and one team. I mean, it's, I, let me let me put it this way: they're solid. They're just not a, they're not a Buffalo Bills team, Kansas City Chiefs team. Like when I say strong and and, and a good five and one team, I'm I'm pointing to those type of teams. I'm saying, look at them. I don't think they're up there. But point is, Packers are against the wall, man. They can't afford to lose any more games right now. They got to play catch up. <laughs> they got to play catch up. Sure, they can make the wild card, but that NFC East looking pretty stacked right now. Mine is Washington, <laughs> and now you got to go up against Washington. So imagine you got a tiebreaker down the line in the event that Washington finds themselves to turn things around, and boom, you done lost to the Commanders on the road on October twenty third. Um. So yeah, we're gonna talk to Andy about the commanders and things like that. But first, before we get that, um, just go through a couple of things right quick. Uh, and on the backside of that Andy Herman interview, I'll get my three keys and the score prediction of the game. But a couple administrative things. First, go through the, uh, the injury list. But before that, go ahead and give us a rating, a review. If you haven't done that, we definitely appreciate it. Um, if you're on Apple, for sure, definitely appreciate that. Um, Spotify for sure. We definitely appreciate that. Um, I've been seeing the Spotify ratings go up, and and that's truly uh, it's noted on my side. Um, so thank you. Um, thank everybody who's been listening. Uh, and you know we're gonna keep this thing pushing next week. Fingers crossed. Um, I don't think I, I said it last time too, and, and I didn't give the player out. And I have that superstition. I I love to like I I don't like to put anything out there to give people anticipation for something, you know, and it doesn't come to fruition. Um, that's not the type of person I am. I don't, I don't sell dreams. <laughs> um, I, I can't do that. Um, but my point is, uh, we are expected to try again with another player, uh, for the commanders and, uh, we should be speaking with someone next week. Again, fingers crossed. Uh, but we'll like when we cross that bridge and it's officially official, you'll know, uh, but I'm looking forward to the opportunity to talk to this guy. He's a real impactful player for this team. And I would love to pick his brain about the mob and, you know, the thing that he got going on. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Now let's go ahead and get through the injury report and then a couple things uh, stemming from the injury report. Um, I'll go through the Packers first. Randall Cobb right now is a DMP for his ankle injury. Um, and from what I understand, I think he is going to be out for a couple of weeks following that Jets game. So, uh, we'll, I don't, I don't expect him to be in the lineup at all. Uh, so he was a DNP. The other DNPs include uh, interior offensive lineman Jake Hansen, tight end Mercedes Lewis, and then Christian Watson, the rookie wide receiver. Uh, they were all DNPs uh, both Wednesday and Thursday. And we had limited uh, tackles. David Batiari. And then Elgin Jenkins, 
both limited with knee injuries. And then you have Rashawn Gary and both Aaron Rodgers, uh, who were full participants in Thursday practice, um, and they seem good to go. On the commander side, you have several DNPs, uh, and I'll go down the list. You have John Bates, Deami Brown, both DNPs on Wednesday and Thursday. Then you have William Jackson III, Logan Thomas, Carson Wentz, Jonathan Williams, all DNPs as well, both Wednesday and Thursday. Now you have Tariq Castro-Fields, the cornerback who has been uh, limited on Wednesday, and then a DNP on Thursday. And now you have two limiteds in Wednesdays and Thursday practice for Sam Cosme and Jahan Dotson, and a limited on Wednesday and a full participation on Thursday and Percy Butler, who is still nursing his quad injury. John Dotson is one of one what I wanted to get into prior to speaking with Andy is that Jahan is essentially um he tweaked his groin or tweaked his hamstring in practice on Thursday and uh, he had a slight conversation post practice about you know what happened on a practice play uh, running a route and uh, he said the following he acknowledged that he re-aggravated his hamstring injury um but he also said quote unquote it's not too bad should be all right just need to rest it um and that's encouraging to hear on first on first you know on the surface and got to understand that when it comes to players and their injuries is different from the perspective of the trainer or doctor who are evaluating them. Um, and, and with him being a rookie and obviously Washington going through what they went through last year with Curtis Samuel, they're going to make sure that he's 110% healthy before coming back <laughs> from that uh, hamstring injury. So something worth noting. Um, and it's unfortunate that he tweaked it again on Thursday uh, because at this point you're looking at a guy who's probably not going to play. This is me assuming um, on a Friday. It's me assuming, but in that same vein, I think this is a, a big opportunity for Cole Turner um, because he's a guy who I believe if you can find a way to get, like a six six tight end who I continue to state is probably a better athlete than Logan Thomas was before his injury but even a better he's a better athlete now with compared to to logan thomas's injury and i think you gotta find a way to get him involved in some of the instances in which you used jahan dotson now comparing those two jahan and and um cole uh, Cole turner they're not the same athlete at all they're not close (laughs) to the same athlete however they both present mismatches in their own way and I think for a guy who is really good in the red zone in terms of his size uh, and his ability to really create challenges for most defenders just off of his size alone, if you can give him those opportunities to to, to like isolate uh, a defender one-on-one, um, that's a fade ball opportunity. And if you, if you can force the defenders to allocate two or the defense to allocate two defenders on Cole Turner because of his, his height advantage and his size advantage, and you have other mismatches you can work on the other side of the field or other areas of the other uh, field. So um, I think this is a really good opportunity for Scott Turner to, you know, flex his muscles, but also shine the light on Cole Turner. 
And and Scott actually spoke about Cole and his pressure on Thursday. And he said the following, uh, quote, unquote, you can see him getting better, more comfortable from one week to the next, just playing faster. It's the biggest thing when you're a younger player, understanding the speed of the game. And when you try to feel your way through everything, it doesn't work out. You just got to go, let it go. If you make mistakes, you got to learn from them and move on. But you can see them getting more comfortable and playing better at a game speed. Um. So, yeah, that is essentially where he's at. Uh, essentially, you know, that's that's a that's a processing thing in a sense. Just understand that the game is probably slowing down for him and he's just understanding things. And when the game slows down for you, you're probably playing playing pretty fast on the field. And that's good. So with that being said, um, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Andy. And then on the backside, we will get our keys to a Washington dub against the Green Bay Packers. Joining me right now is Andy Herman, who covers the Green Bay Packers for the Packer Report 66 and is the owner of the Packer Day podcast. Andy, I appreciate you joining me today. Um, Let's start off with, uh, I think, so two losses in a row. I don't think anybody expected the the recent loss, 27 to 10 against the New York Jets, or even a loss, like, period against the Jets like it's not what you kind of see for coming over this that team over the past few years but uh generally speaking and understanding where the Packers are six games into the season what has been the biggest point of frustration or confusion um to the Packers start of the season man first of all thanks so much for having me really appreciate it It, we may actually have uh, a better opportunity to say like what isn't a point of frustration or confusion (laughs) right now because just about everything is a point of frustration or confusion right now uh through the first six weeks of the season yeah i think packer fans in general are usually pretty smart enough to be like okay you're three and three yet like there's like four teams in the nfc that actually have a winning record it's a bizarre year there's a lot of parody in the league right now. I think, I think Packer fans are generally, um, you know, more would be more understanding of that if the brand of football they were playing was good and they just had a couple things that kind of went against them and, you know, maybe lost a couple of games they shouldn't at the last second or something. But to your point, they, they lose to the Jets by 17 points at home and Zach Wilson's got like a hundred yards passing and listen, the Jets defense was fantastic in that game. The Jets offense couldn't do anything for the vast majority of the game. Um, you know, they're basically dependent on Brees Hall, breaking some tackles and getting a couple of really nice runs and you lose by 17 in that game. And, and the, the Jets converted one third down conversion the entire game. They had a punt blocked. They, you know, had multiple sacks uh, against them. Like they, they did not play a good brand of football and the Packers still lost by 17 at home. And that I think is the more concerning part, even in a win at home against the Patriots, it's Bailey Zappi playing for the vast majority of the game and making his first ever, you know, he didn't make the start Hoyer technically started, but like playing in his first ever NFL game and you know, the, the game against Tampa Bay, you basically completely didn't play at all in the second half escaped with a win and the Bucks didn't even have any receivers in that game. So it's not that they're three and three and have played a good brand of football. It's they're three and three and they're probably lucky to be three and three. So I think that is the point of frustration. The offensive line cannot block at all. That is a huge issue right now, but there is a lot of, uh, a lot of issues going on at 1265 at the moment. 
Andy, what is the the post? And, and, and this is a layered question, so we can peel it back piece by piece. But what's the post on on Rogers and Lafleur right now? Um, and, and I guess, like for context purposes, I, this is a thought in my head. It's not necessarily, uh, and and I'm and I may be touching on something. Who knows? But like, I think that for for all of Lafleur's work that he's done in the regular season, um, I have a sense given that you know the green bay packers have this historic franchise for for a lot of winning in the regular season also uh aaron Rodgers with his championship brett Favre, obviously with his opportunity as well but i feel like what he's doing lafleur is just is not enough and i don't even know if that makes sense but in my head i feel like what he's doing right now is not enough and especially for the outings that they have in the playoffs and, and the the does that has been put up on the offensive side of the football, I just feel like what's going on is not enough. And, and, and for them to start off three and three, I don't think that it, it's automatically going to go to like a hot seat situation. But I, I would like to know, like, what is the pulse on these guys? But obviously, more in particular, uh, Matt LaFleur, the head coach. As a Matt LaFleur is as an like insanely interesting track record so far in Green Bay, right? Because I think people like very easily forget that the, the last couple of years of Rodgers with McCarthy – went awful like Rodgers looks not nothing like his MVP self you know there was a a decline that was taking place there was a reason they drafted Jordan Love and started looking towards the future a little bit that was before he won the back-to-back MVPs again and you know things weren't clearly going great and and obviously the year they fired McCarthy uh, it was like the roster and, and kind of the team were a little bit in shambles and certainly heading in the wrong direction and then you hire Matt LaFleur and you've got three straight seasons of 13 win football, 13 and three, 13 and three, 13 and four. And this actually this week when they lost to the Jets was the first time in Matt LaFleur's now this is his fourth year that they lost back to back games. The first time for a head coach in his fourth year that they lost back to back regular season games. So like from a regular season standpoint, he's just stacked up insane success to a level that like, I, I know justice Mosqueda, a, a, um, a big influencer in the Packer Twitter sphere. Like he posts all the time, like Bill Belichick would have to win like 200 straight games in order to match Matt LaFleur's winning percentage. Like it's, it's something like crazy. Right. But at the same token, and to your point come playoff time, they've had three straight really good teams, 13 win teams going into the playoffs. They have two wins in three seasons in the playoffs. They're two and three. And last time I checked, even in a one playoff, you know, in a, in a playoff setting, even if those two wins were in the same season at best, that gets you to the Super Bowl. It doesn't get you a Super Bowl. You have to win at minimum three, just to win a Super Bowl. He couldn't get three wins in three seasons combined. So I think there is a little bit of pressure from like a, hey, you've had good teams and that has not carried over into the playoffs. And you couple that with now a three and three start to this season and what has been a very ugly brand of football. Like you mentioned, there's no hot seat. There's no question. He's been a fantastic coach since he got here and has really turned the organization around. But I think there is starting to become some questions of, okay, we haven't performed in the playoffs we have now seen some struggles in the regular season and it doesn't seem to be trending in the right direction. So I think this is really the first time that we're seeing in season adversity in the entire Matt LaFleur era. And I think it is going to be interesting to see how does Aaron Rodgers, how does Matt LaFleur and quite frankly, how does this entire team respond to being really kind of punched in the face for the first time in the regular season under Matt LaFleur. Yeah. And another thing that, that is interesting is 
look, the Vikings are are five and one. And and you know what's crazy? I I had I had predicted that I, the Vikings will win the division, but even with everything playing out to the point in which it is, I don't think that their five and one is a good five and one yet. Like, I don't think that's a good five and one. And 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 with them moving on to the point in which they are, just continuing to ascend record wise. Um, What's the pulse on on this game against the Washington Commanders? Is this a must-win game from an organization standpoint and from a fan base standpoint? What, what's the pulse on this? Is this a must-win game for Green Bay? Must-win in like the sense of uh, you know if they lost it, could they still you know rebound through the remainder of the season? I think there is a you know maybe a slight opportunity that that could be the case, but this is as close to a you know week seven must-win as you could possibly have for the Packers. <laughs> I think the big thing is as mentioned, they just lost back-to-back games for the first time. And it's against the Jets and the Giants, right? It's not like it's against the Bills and the Chiefs. And I'm not taking away the Jets and Giants are of good records and they've played a solid brand of football. Um, but both teams that Green Bay was favored in, you know, pretty significantly, specifically against the Jets. And one was in London, one was at home. They come off the back-to-back losses of, of that. And then if they go to Washington and lose that game, now you're looking at three straight losses. And the game following that, is Buffalo in Buffalo and Buffalo mm-hmm. will be coming off of a bye week and Green Bay will be coming off three straight losses, including a road game to Washington. And it would be their fourth stadium in four weeks. So the odds they go into Buffalo and beat Buffalo in that game are, let's just say, probably pretty slim. So you're looking at if they lose this game to Washington, a very likely four game losing streak uh, because of that Buffalo game after and two games below 500 and now the season really gets complicated and you have another road game after that against Detroit it's just Detroit but like Green Bay is not a team that can take any team for granted right now so yeah this is a extremely large pivot point in this season for Green Bay where if they win all right you you kind of maybe get a little bit uh, on track you probably lose to the Bills but you go 500 um, at that point probably four and four on the season go to Detroit hope to pick up a win there and then it's probably when the end game sort of starts of like, are you actually going to become a contender or are you just going to kind of fade into nine and eight nothingness that, you know, doesn't really matter at the end of the year. So, um, but yeah, if they lose this game, now you're looking at probably three and five at the end of that, you know, Bills game and a very hard road for the remainder of the season. One more A-Rod, pointed A-Rod question. I, I saw yeah. uh, something that you retweeted. Um, some interesting numbers that that actually surprised me. I was watching the Jets uh tape and between the Packers and, and some things. It's crazy that Aaron Rodgers just generally he's sixty seven percent completion percentage, and then you see some of the throws that he had against the Pack. I mean, against the Jets, and I'm like, he's not even settled in a in a clean pocket. Like I'm noticing this after I checked your I found I found your tweet after I, I started looking. And, and point being, and let me get to the question for everybody that's listening. <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers from a clean pocket has, has, not, has looked middle of the pack. I think that's the safest way to say it, middle of the pack. Um, just not Aaron Rodgers-esque in a sense. Um, the, the overall question is how has Rodgers been adapting to life without Devontae Adams, but also like what's kind of – what's the, the vibes with, with Aaron Rodgers this particular season, understanding that um, things ain't looking too uh, usual for the, for the, for the uh, former MVP. Yeah. So I think probably the easiest thing to say is the entire offense is a mess, like a complete mess at the moment. It starts, I don't even know where you want to start, but it starts with coaching. (laughs) I'll say that because uh, they have, you know, they don't have great weapons. I think everyone can very clearly say that, but they do have one really good one in Aaron Jones. And for the last two weeks, he's barely touched the football, which is just mind numbingly, you know, 
frustrating because he's very clearly the best player and the player who is your playmaker and can get the ball in his hands and actually just make things happen, even when things are breaking down around him and you haven't gotten him the football. So I think that is extremely frustrating. As you mentioned, like it's, it, there's times where it's extremely tough to evaluate Aaron Rodgers because the pocket is collapsing immediately. His receivers are running wrong routes at times. There's, you know, guys that aren't getting great separation. You'll still see a couple of magical Aaron Rodgers moments in every single game. He had a beautiful 35 yard completion to Alan Lazard that I'd be willing to bet had like a 3% chance of success prior to the completion. Yet somehow he fits it in where only like, it was like a football size window that he could fit it in and he fits it right in that football size window. So you see some of that stuff and you're like, okay, like it's tough to evaluate because everything around him is kind of breaking down. But then as to your point, when you look at his numbers from a clean pocket and I get some of the receivers still here plays a a factor in this, but he's more middle of the pack. And I I thought this great, this, this last game against the Jets was sort of a great, um, you know, like just indicator of where Rogers is at right now. I, I, so I grade every player and every play for the Packers. And, um, you know, I think when watching the game and listening to everyone surrounding, you know, the team and on Packers Twitter and everything like that, it would have seemed like, and felt like that Rogers played like the worst game of his life. And, and, and live when you were watching it on the TV tape, yeah, it, it kind of looked that way. And then you go and watch the all 22 and you're seeing, okay, like the pocket is just an absolute nightmare. There's constant pressure. There's not a lot of options down the field and you're willing to give some accident forgiveness for that clearly. But I think the big thing is while I didn't grade him in the negative this game, he had basically a neutral grade, both for myself and from pro football focus. So he's basically like a neutral grade. And so it's great that he wasn't the cause of the problem, so to speak, but when you're the highest paid player of the football in football and the back-to-back MVP, you're not being paid to not be the cause of the problem. You're being paid and expected to be the solution and the answer to all the problems. The players that pl- that is playing great and is elevating the play of all the players around you. And right now, that has not been the case for Aaron Rodgers. He's been kind of fine and like okay in spurts, and you still see some of those magical moments. But he hasn't been the MVP clearly. And then when you couple in the fact that, and and part of it is part of the equation too, but when you couple in offensive lines, not blocking great receivers, aren't getting open as much. You're not featuring Aaron Jones the way that you need to. And you're just left with a lot of questions of, okay, where do they go from here? Because everything's kind of falling apart at the moment. Earlier, um, when we talked about our even just to start the the conversation, you had mentioned how the defense were able was really to to, to stifle the New York Jets offense for the most part in uh, or basically throughout the entire game in a sense. And uh, when you talk about surprises this year, uh, whether it's a unit or a player, um, for better or for worse, uh, I guess it's safe to say to start with the defense, or or is that even a surprise that the defense would be uh, pretty good this year? No, I mean, the interesting thing is I think the defense is underperforming based on everyone's expectations, you know, around Green Bay going into the season. And it's it's weird because they'll have these lapses where like the first half against the Jets, they were completely dominant. The, the Jets put up three points. It wasn't really their fault. And, you know, I get to that the seven points was off a pump block return for a touchdown. But in the second half, the game is in the balance. And you've got a team that didn't move the ball all game and they had three straight positions, uh, possessions, excuse me, game on the line, touchdown drive, touchdown drive, field goal drive that milked like nine minutes of the clock off to seal the game. And so like when the defense had the opportunity to maybe go and make a play, get off the field, et cetera, to help Green Bay get back in the game, they just couldn't do it, especially when they knew 
it was just going to be a, a heavy dose of Brees Hall running the football. They basically knew what was coming and uh, they couldn't stop it. They, they could not stop the Giants at all um it was in a very embarrassing fashion where there was kind of a, a major come to jesus moment for the defense and they made a lot of changes going into that jets game so you know one of the things that's been kind of talked about quite a bit is it's really hard to label a anything that the packers are actually doing well right now the special teams had a punt block return for a touchdown and a blocked field goal this past week so a, a unit that was actually kind of i think semi exceeding expectations prior to last game completely you know it had a net negative 10 points this past game. Um, and that's completely unacceptable. So they're no longer that story. The defense in flashes looks really good, but has moments where they just completely forget how to play defense basically. And the offense is so far below expectation. So that that's the first thing is it's trying to figure out, all right, what is it that they actually have been doing well? And then the other thing is you also look at from an individual player standpoint, when I look at, you know, players, I'm looking at, all right, who's exceeding expectations uh, individually for the, the Packers right now. And Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark having fantastic seasons, but that was sort of expected of both of them going into the season. Romeo Dobbs, fourth round rookie. I would say he is probably exceeding expectations so far. And there's maybe like a smattering of like players that are either right around expectations or maybe slightly exceeding, but there is precious few players that are even in the conversation for exceeding expectations. And the vast majority are well below your expectations of them going into the season. Devondre Campbell, Aaron Rodgers, AJ Dillon, the entire offensive line, basically just a example of that. So um, no, there's, there's a lot of questions to be answered in green Bay right now, to say the least. Andy uh, keys to a, a victory, I guess, for the, the green Bay Packers and who do you have winning the football game? Well, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. How, how is the, the Washington defensive front playing? Because um, I know on paper, you know, Sweat and, and Allen and Payne and those guys, I have a lot of respect. I know, uh, you know, obviously Chase Young's injury affects things a little bit, but I have a lot of respect for the Washington's, you know, front four. But how, how have they been playing so far up front? Uh, I, I think that they're, and I guess it, so based on what I'm about to tell you, I guess it depends on how the offensive line is in particular. But I, I think that they do really good in terms of their pass rushes. And, and obviously, from a defensive uh, a run base standpoint, they've been able to hold up well for the most part. Um, sometimes it depends on like who uh, Allen or Payne is going up against, but sometimes they may struggle against double teams, like the combination blocks and things like that. But ultimately, uh, from from a, a, a large portion of the game that they hold up well um, in terms of pass rushing, uh, Montez Sweat has gotten off to a slow start this year, but um, you know he's been taking advantage of his matchups over the last few weeks, and that means. Uh, going, whether you're going up against inexperienced offensive linemen or you're getting matched up with a tight end or uh, you're going up against a guy that you're just overall better than. He can have some tenure, but you're just better than him, and he's he's working those matchups. And I say that to say uh, these guys are taking advantage of certain matchups. Uh, the rush in terms of the coordinator or whoever is calling the stunts for the, the defensive line, like the stunts are really getting home and they're being effective. So uh, from an actual rush standpoint and – ability standpoint like it's meshing well together they're all on the same page for now um but i do have concerns and, and this is where i was getting to i do have concerns that um if they have to have true pass rush reps against offensive linemen and not just those tight ends or people coming in to help offensive line i do have concerns that uh what we've seen over the past couple of weeks with um our edge guys not necessarily allen and not necessarily Payne. But our edge guys, I don't, I don't think that uh, they haven't shown me yet that they'll be able to like consistently win against like 
talent that's just as good as them or better? Well, I've got great news for you. Uh, this could be a very good get right game for them in that capacity then because Green Bay's offensive line hasn't really been able to block anyone. And they looked like it was their very first time ever seeing a twist or a stunt last week against the Jets. So if you can win on twists and stunts, you will be just fine against Green Bay. But um, to, to your initial question, that's the first thing I'm looking at because uh, Green Bay's offensive line, I, I have a, a cut up over on Twitter on uh, at Andy Herman NFL of two, basically two and a half minutes of just some of the worst offensive line play that you will ever see in a game. And I think the the you know commanders have a real opportunity to take advantage of that up front. And if if Sweat and Payne and Allen and those guys can win their matchups up front and take advantage of that, I think Washington's going to have a real opportunity to win the football game. If Green Bay looks a night and day difference from what they did on the offensive line, uh, you know, against the the Giants and the Jets, and come out to play and set the tempo and set the tone and can start running the football more and pass pro up front, then it's going to be a really difficult game for Washington. So if you want to watch something early and take your eye off the ball, watch the Washington commanders defensive front against the Packers offensive line. And that's going to tell you a lot of how that game is going to go from a, you know, who's dictating the pace standpoint. Yeah. I think uh, one of the people that I had noted was uh, Royce Newman, uh, the right guard that you all had. And I was like, he's, he's the guy who doesn't handle how handle power rushes too well. <laughs> so no, if no, he doesn't handle power or speed or uh, twists or stunts or uh, run blocking or any of it very well. He don't handle nothing well. <laughs> exactly. So hey, um, I, th- I think uh, there's a chance he may not start in this game. He got benched for Jake Hansen and then Jake Hansen got hurt and he had to go back in the game. Uh, but I think there there's a strong chance that they make some changes along the offensive line this week. And there's a chance you may not get the, the pure uh, unadulterated pleasure of going against Royce Newman for a full game. So we'll see. You never know what's going to happen, though. All right, Andy, I, I definitely appreciate you coming through. I, I want to give you the floor to plug anything and everything that you got going on and your prediction, because that's the that's the one thing we made. You don't have to give a score prediction, but just who you think wins. If you want to give one, fine but who you think wins and also let the people know where they can find you hear from you read from you everything floor is yours yeah i'll say packers 20 to 16 i think there's just going to be an air of desperation for this team i think you know i said with the bills coming up this just feels like a must win and and we'll see if they've got it in them and and can bounce back from two really difficult losses Uh, but i'm going to say packers 2016 um, appreciate you having me on. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow my writing at Packer Report. And if there's any commanders who want a big dose of Packers football to understand the team better prior to the game, you can check me out over on YouTube uh, at Packaday Podcast or wherever you get your favorite podcasts at Packaday Podcast as well. I was going into our three keys to a Washington win. And number one, stop the run. AJ and AJ can't get off. <laughs> Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, they cannot get off um Aaron Jones was slightly under his average in terms of per touches or touches per game against the New York Jets and like coaches understand that coaches are aware of that now it's not a significant drop in terms of his average it was slightly below the average but at the end of the day you know if Aaron Jones ain't toting or like the backs aren't in a rhythm coaches are going to recognize that and, and their coaches for sure on the offense side of the football have been saying that they need to get the running backs involved and need to establish the ground game and typically you know when that opportunity presents itself, despite what a defense is trying to do, despite how aware the defense is that you're trying to establish the ground game at one, at some point, you just have to do it. <laughs> you have to try and get that ground game going. And I think this is the game that Washington is going to face green Bay. Uh, who's going to try and be heavily balanced and try to emphasize their running backs and things like that. And I think that Washington does a really good job in terms of their front four against the run. Um, 
FL Bada has been stepping up. Uh, Wild Goose is playing solid in the box when he had when he has those opportunities. He's getting physical, and then obviously the the known guys in terms of sweat and and in pain and uh, Allen and James Smith Williams, like they've all been a factor, and, and Casey Tuhill as well. I just think that 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 front line is playing solid against the run. Um, but the Green Bay Packers are going to try to establish that, and if they start getting uh, some traction in that ground game, the play action is going to be just as dangerous. That's going to be the that's going to be the the rhythm thing for this offense and and that play action has always been dangerous. And I, and, and while it's so, uh, a, one specific detail at the end of the day, when you see how susceptible the linebackers are to play action, um, it's, it's a problem because uh, they're not as disciplined. Now, I'm sure they're, they're, they're going to be understanding and doing some self-scouting and understanding that, uh, the Packers are who they are. They're going to try and take advantage of that second level. And you have to play a little bit more honest, um, and that's going to create some opportunities, uh, for the defense to really make some plays as well. If you're honest, because you're in position on the second level, you're able to get your, 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 your depth in terms of your drops. You can do that a little bit quicker. You're not out of position. Um, but ultimately you have to try to stop that run. You have to trust that the defensive line is going to take care of that, that, that offensive line, that aspect, but, uh, definitely, uh, try to get, uh, some 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 plays made in the ground game with your your front seven and, and things like that. So that's gonna be my first key is is stopping the run and and AJ and AJ can't get off. Number two, win your one on ones versus Green Bay offensive line. Look, Royce Newman, their right guard. Um, as you heard with Andy, he was benched. Uh, and it didn't take me long to figure out, you know, hey, this is the guy that Washington needs to, you know, game plan against. He is their weakest link. And he's playing right guard. Uh, but he came back in because of an injury. So if Royce Newman is on the field, you have to take care and take advantage of that guy being on the field. He is he is that one. And, and I think if you can try to find some matchups on, with Allen and Sweat to get them on Royce Newman, then I think you're in good shape because that's going to be your pressure point. And the same thing with Elton Jenkins. Um, Jenkins struggled. He's playing out of position, I guess, from, from what people are saying. He's typically an interior offensive lineman. But because of some issues right now, he is out at tackle, playing right tackle. But uh, both of them struggle with, with power in a sense. Um, but Elton Jenkins struggles with speed more so and quick, quick twitch athletes. Uh, sometimes also appears to be an oversetter. Um, and, and oversetting means like in his pass sets, when he gets to his angles, he's kind of he's kind of over where he needs to be versus like meeting that half man relationship, establishing that half man relationship um, between him and the defender, which puts him in better position to cut off a rush path um, and, and, and actually pass protect as well um, and be in good position to pass protect. But Elson Jenkins and, and Royce Newman, that right side of the offensive line. Um, you can try to take advantage of that with your uh with your your players. And while there aren't necessarily it's only really one quick twitch player with some good bend and things like that in terms of uh, Washington and Shaka Tony, like that's the one profile that you know, one player profile that Washington has in that regard. There's other ways to get some matchups on those guys, Elton and Newman. Um, and it really comes down to, you know, the single package. Uh, I think that 
this is going to be a really good opportunity for Washington to, to utilize that single package. Um, Green Bay has struggled, especially against the Giants, I mean, the Jets, to, to pass off stunts and twists in line games and stuff like that. So I think this is a perfect game for that uh, for a heavy single package. And last year, I don't think they use it at all against Green Bay. I may be mistaken, but I, I don't think they use the single package at all against Green Bay last year. And obviously last year makes no uh, – is is not necessarily re- re- relevant in terms of how the offensive line is playing this year. Uh, this is why I think that it's, it's kind of more of a significant thing because if you can force them to play one-on-one against your best pass rushers, then you're in good shape, right? The commanders have the best pr- uh, pressure rate in the league at 45%, um, and they have the third best sack rate in the league at 10%. And for, for further context – with that 45% in terms of pressure rate, the next best team is at 41%, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. So from a single package standpoint, if you can and, – and and also <laughs> the commanders, I don't know if you all been paying attention, but or, or maybe take a look at the film if you have an opportunity. The commanders, def- like they've been playing at its best when they're in the five-man front this year. Like that's how effective that package has been, and I think that this is one of those games where you're saying, hey – we ain't we're not we're playing that single package at least 60% of the time that we're on defense. Like that's how that's how committed I am to that that single package. Force those one-on-ones, create some some line games and those those five-man packages and force those guys to really be on their P's and Q's um because this is the defense that's capable of doing uh utilizing that single package. So um yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, you have to get those those one on ones and, and create some problems for Aaron Rodgers uh, and that Green Bay Packer offense. You can't allow them to get going. Um, it will be a great opportunity too if Chase Young was here because that is the the one quick twitch, another quick twitch athlete, um, an explosive athlete that Washington has on that defensive line. So I was more so speaking to the current roster with everybody who is active. Um, so yeah, I don't even expect Shaka to play that much. He hasn't been playing that much uh, since. I think it was James Smith Williams that was out against Philadelphia. And that's where you've seen Shaka play a lot of his snaps. Aside of that, he's not playing a lot of snaps defensively. He's more so like in a rotational slash uh, reserve role. So, yeah, we will see about that one. But definitely single package should be a big game for Washington or a big uh, emphasis for Washington. Now, number three, the last one, keep drives alive. <laughs> keep drives alive. It's really as simple as that. Green Bay has the number one third down defense. Uh, the Packers have the fifth best sack rate in the NFL, and then they're the eleventh best in pressure rate. So while they're not as high as the Washington Commanders, right? Um, they, this 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 is still a, a solid defense. <laughs> they can still pressure the quarterback. They're not uh, they're not out of there, right? They can they can definitely do that. Um, so Rashawn Gary is like the guy that I look forward. Or, or I, I think that's going to be the most problematic. Preston Smith still there as well. We can't ignore him. Um, but at the same time, Rashawn Gary is he's that he's the the, the athletic guy for them. He's the uh, effective pass rusher. He has six sacks uh, with a high sack rate. Um, now, majority of his sacks came from that wide nine alignment. Um, just allows him to use his speed and agility. Uh, to threaten offensive linemen. So you're looking at a guy like if you're doing a wide nine, um, it's going to be hard for 
uh, Charles Leno, who who is very good at jump setting, um, it's going to be hard for him to do that. <laughs> he can't get that physical against uh, Rashawn Gary if he's that wide. Like you, you probably got to take a vertical a vertical drop or a, a 45, 45 angle. But point being is at that point when he's in a wide nine, the offensive lineman is going to have to trust his technique, uh, but also you know establish that head man. He has to he has to match your explosion. He has to make sure that he's in position and, and also hold up against your power or whatever move that you have in plan. So I think that Rashawn Gary is probably going to see a lot of opportunity against Cornelius Lucas on the right side. Um, I think that's the guy that they're going to target. He's the backup. He's the guy that they're going to trust to get that work done, and then they're going to have Preston Smith. Uh, primary uh, majority of his matchups is probably going to be against Charles Leno, uh, best on best in that regard in terms of pass rushing, um, and things like that. You know, Turner said in terms of keeping drives alive that he is self scouting, um, and I think what that means is interesting. But also, what he said is the following about that self scouting. Uh, where is his quote? Quote unquote. I mean, there's a lot to look at. Number one. Like we talked about this before, negative plays have killed us, have killed drives, which essentially that that's possession that keeps us from scoring points, moving the ball. That was one thing we had to look at. Third downs, we got to be better at third downs. It's the same thing. It keeps you off the field. We got to get better third downs. We got way too many third and longs. And then when we get in third and manageable, we got to convert. We got to play a complete game. Like there's been games last week where we run the ball well, but then we don't do a good job in the passing game. Dallas game, same deal. Tennessee game, we're throwing the ball downfield and we had some decent looks to run the ball. We didn't capitalize. We got to play a game where we can do both, and that's basically that'll help us help us move, help us be successful um, and consistent. So he answered it. Uh, it really came down to third downs with him, apparently. He said third down like a thousand times, <laughs> but he's very aware in terms of self-scouting. Um, now, I don't know if that was a very insightful answer in terms of what specifically he's doing to self-scout. But in that same vein, um, he's aware of it. And what what that'll materialize on Sunday, we'll find out. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to find a way to keep drives alive. Uh, yeah, you're going up against the number one third down defense. The best way to avoid, um, you know, having to face a third down defense is really good is don't have that many third downs. <laughs> so how effective can you be? Um, I do. I do expect Washington to really try to same thing with Green Bay on their offense is try to establish a ground game. Green Bay Packers are not that good on, on the ground defending the run. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity. And, and I think the strong side of the offense is the left side in terms of running the football. And if they can continue to establish something, whether like they have to establish some type of identity because they they don't have one right now, uh, you can probably. Uh, try to try to work one side of the field and, and, and make that this is where we're going type of thing and you can't do nothing about it. So yeah, keep drives alive is number three. Score prediction. Oh man, um, it's hard for Washington. I, mean, I do think that Washington covers f- first and foremost, but it's hard for me to sit here and say that Washington is going to beat um, Green Bay and win two in a row. I do think and I have said throughout the week especially if you all been listening to Hogs Haven I do think that Washington is going to play this game close I do think Washington has an opportunity to win at the end of the day but I think that when it comes down to quarterbacks that's all that really matters in certain instances especially when your back is against the wall and you have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL that is what makes the difference for a lot of teams especially a lot of teams that are that have those good quarterbacks and 
uh i can't uh think that washington why well, i mean i could think but i can't expect washington to overcome a uh a reeling green bay packers team with one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl i'm gonna say washington loses 24 to 20 um i don't think this is gonna be an ugly loss i don't think that this is gonna be one where they threw up all over themselves but just a hard fought game against a team who was whose backs are against the wall um so that is my prediction and that's gonna wrap it up for this episode as well <laughs> um we will be back post game me and damien breaking down the green bay packers game for Washington Commanders. Um, and hopefully we are talking about a dub for Washington. Uh, hopefully we are. Uh, but with that being said, man, enjoy y'all weekend, man. Enjoy the games on Saturday. Enjoy the games on Sunday evening, all that good stuff. Y'all be safe. You know what I'm saying? We out of here. Peace. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.